from the Kintech studio. Kintech, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, powered by thousands of five-star Google reviews, sore feet. What are you waiting for? Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. Bic, here with you. Dom, Ben, Sonia, behind the glass, running the show. You as well. Texting in 650-650 into the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. Dunbar Lumber, three stores to serve you in Ladner on Bridge Street. Dunbar Lumber Express at Ladner Center or Arbutus in Vancouver online at DunbarLumber.com. Uneventful last night against uh, the Chicago Blackhawks, which was perfect. It was, it was like the snow day. Just Just let your days be uneventful. Let the chaos happen elsewhere. What you need is just uneventful, get through the 24 hours, get the two points, Canucks do that. We'll, we'll chat a bit about about, about Andre Kuzmenko uh, later on in the show. Yannick Hansen will join us as always at 3.30 as he does on Tuesdays. Uh, plenty to get into, but uh, I feel like there's more reaction, Dom, to today, chrome helmets, than there was to anything last night. Yeah, certainly. People love their uniform takes, apparently. As I've the learned. chrome helmets, though, today. Yeah. I like them. Do you like them? I am intrigued. Uh, I, I just fine. like I intrigued. like the idea that they're trying things. It was the same thing with the Vegas and the LA. Everyone's like, "Oh, th- th- this looks terrible." Just just try things. Exactly. It's fine. Exactly. I don't know if I actually care about the actual chrome helmets. It's yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see. I, I want to see what it looks like on ice and like during a game if it's distracting or anything. You like know that. what hockey? It'll be fine. Is missing that other sports have personality shoes. Uh yeah, and w- but helmets is not the thing. Like like we need cool skates is what we need. But we don't. No, but we'll, we'll, but we we'll get there eventually. But look at eventually. Like, look at every cleat in every sport. Yeah, they've got cool designs. Look at basketball shoes, cool designs. Mm-hmm. Don't have that in hockey. So where do you go? You go here. A helmet is the a- yeah the first step. Yeah yeah. I'm 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 for it. Or stick tape, or you know. Mm-hmm. Some some little implementation of, of cool design. Shoe, sure, skate, skate laces. laces. Yeah. Why not? Why not? We'll get there one day. I don't know. People are people are too invested in this helmet. You, you know what it is though. It's like just win games. Honestly, I I, I don't understand people who like want to see what it looks like. You win games. You win the big one. You could come out in a Clown flesh costume. New Jersey. I don't care, yeah. man. Just win games. That's it. Chrome helmets. Bucket hat. I don't care. Win games. Man, who, 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 who cares what it looks like? I'm, I'm just making things up at this stage. I would love that. Uh, but but people got after you yesterday. Yeah, they sure did. I guess it was a boring game, so they had to come after somebody. <laughs> I tweet out yesterday, the black skate jersey has totally lost its luster, as we knew it would. Mm-hmm. First of all, when I say we, I mean we the people. Perver- the proverbial we. Proverbial we yeah. who did not want the skate to be like, the main jersey, mm-hmm. you know, have it as an alternate, have it as a jersey that you break out every once in a while as like a little special treat, a little little piece of chocolate here for doing a good job. You know what I mean? That little taste of of something different. That's what I mean by by we. Mm-hmm. That's what I mean by lo- lost its luster. Well, it, it's been about forty percent of the games. Of all games, sure, it feels like eighty percent of home games. No, no, I, I, well, they're only going to wear them at home. Um, to, for the home crowd, sure. But I, I think it's been about f- the, the the full schedule is about forty percent. So at, at some, but they've also broken at, it at, out at some point outside of that schedule. 
at, at some point, it, it overcomes like the alternate jersey. It becomes like the third main. And I think we're at that stage where yeah. it's it just feels like one of the regular jerseys. It's, it's not really special anymore. It, it's it's almost yeah, exactly. gone the way of the stadium series of like, oh, let's just do seven outdoor games in a season. Yeah, it's thank you. That's perfect. It it, 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 it takes it away a bit. Thank if you, you if you like the jersey, like the jersey still looks cool. Yes, absolutely. But uh, it, it, it's it's a lot. It's a lot. Uh, six fifty, six fifty. Uh, yeah, you're getting some love in the inbox. Also, uh, shoes is a terrible take. My 11 year old son wants the same skates as McDavid, uh, who he watches and is using his sticks and gloves. Jimmy from North Van. We'll get there eventually. You know, 15 years from now, 20 years from now. Mitch Marner last year, pretty funky skates. in the Florida All Star game. Yeah, the Miami Vice. Yeah, yeah, the Jordans, right? Yeah. We gotta have some. We need some. I, I feel like football cleats just got there in the last three years. It used to be like the yeah. the ugly like black panel and the white stripe coming across and guys were just taping it up and now you seem like some, 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 Jordan 1s yeah, everyone's see, wearing Jordan 1s see yeah. some Jordans and then the my cause my cleese things uh, obviously pushed it forward as well all right uh, a lot to get to as we usually do on Tuesdays packed full Mark Schofield uh, getting set to join us now to, to hit up on uh, divisional weekend we always get to the throw of the week uh, with Mark who joins us from SB Nation NFL writer QB analyst uh, we talk to him uh, every Tuesday at Mark Schofield if you want to follow him uh, Mark how are you I am doing well big fantastic to be here it's it's a good week because after I'd say a bit of a, a lull that second half of Ravens Texans was a bit boring. Perhaps we got three really good games out of it after that. So it was a fantastic weekend. Excited to dive into all of it with you, my friend. Uh, all right, we start where we always do, looking back. And what was the throw of the divisional weekend for you? I mean, I, I, I think the most impressive throw was Josh Allen to Stephon Diggs that wasn't completed. <laughs> right. It was a draw. But that was an absolute moonshot. I mean, in the uh, SB Nation Slack channels, we were all watching the games on Sunday night. The, the entire channel just exploded with that throw. And the fact that it was an incompletion doesn't take away from what Josh Allen did on that throw. Now, if you're asking me, like, the best throw that was completed, it was, again, Josh Allen, the touchdown where, you know, he's rolling to his left, has to throw it to the front pylon, and it's an absolute frozen rope. Again, We've talked about Allen. We've talked about Mahomes, who we obviously faced in that game, and some other quarterbacks, and how there are only a handful of people on the planet that can make throws like that. Those two throws for Josh Allen, again, just a he's not normal type of occurrence because both of those throws were just off the charts, eye dropping. We spent last week talking about um, Jordan Love rolling left and 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 you know the the difficulties of that throw in general. Now Allen's was or. Uh, uh, Jordan Love's was f- much further down the field than Josh Allen's, but the difficulty in Allen's was it more about because you know rolling left is t- is tough enough as it is, evading pressure is tough enough as it is. Is, is it the ball placement on that one to put it in a yeah, spot where it's, it's 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 again like a postage stamp? Yeah, it's it's absolutely the ball placement. But before that, there's a lot that goes into this throw because he's got a defender in his face, basically, as he's rolling to his left, and he has to sort of juke step to buy enough space. And then, like, it's the torque in the body to make this throw because it's not like he's running towards it, in a sense. He's rolling to his left, but he's kind of going parallel to the line of scrimmage. So it's not as if 
some throws when you're rolling to your left, you're kind of moving in that direction. You're moving a bit towards the line of scrimmage, maybe at a diagonal, but you've still got some forward momentum behind the throw. He's going more lateral. So all he can really do is get velocity via torque. So it's the shoulders, it's the hip to get that sort of twist and torque to the throw in motion to get velocity on it. And then the final piece is, like you said, the placement, because we've seen two incredible throws to that area of the field this year. You had, you know, the Russell Wilson, Cortland Sutton in the regular season, that ridiculous throw where Wilson was rolling left. That was more to the back corner of the end zone. This is the front pylon. You've got that defender in coverage who's, again, got – deep outside leverage, so he's driving back. So the throw has to get to the outside. Otherwise, you're leaving the door open to a potential breakup, if not a pick-six situation, because if you leave this real far to the inside, the defender's going to break on it, and you might have six going the other way. And so you've got a quarterback rolling parallel to his left to the line of scrimmage instead of moving towards it. So he has to rely on hip, left shoulder torque, and then the placement as well. It's just a high level of difficulty kind of throw. In a moment where, look, we're not talking week one, we're not talking preseason. This is, you know, AFC division around third and 13, late third quarter with Patrick Mahomes on the other sideline. Not too many margins for error there. Okay, so what is it about Buffalo then? Because um, we're talking about all these things and, and he's – you know, uh, a video game player that he, you know, he can generate all the torque and he can place it perfectly. And again, he had a good game. And the Buffalo Bills can't overcome Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. And you know, coming out of that, again, I, I just look at it. It's not really a Josh Allen issue to me because I, I can't name two guys that feel I feel like can go toe to toe with Patrick Mahomes. What is the issue for Buffalo? I don't know, and and I've spent a lot of time, <laughs> you know, since Sunday night trying to answer that question. We put a piece up today, myself, James Dater, and Matt Warren, who's, you know, he's one of our senior producers at SB Nation, but his roots are in Buffalo. He started over at Buffalo Rumblings, and we tried to, the three of us, answer that, you know, what's next for the Bills question. And from where I sit, I know there are a lot of Bills fans, you know, going into that week, I was on a couple of different Bills radio shows, Buffalo radio shows, and the sentiment seemed to be going into Sunday night. If not now, when? If we can't beat Patrick Mahomes in the playoffs at home this year when they've got questions on offense and we're the proverbial hottest team in football, when are we going to beat them? So there's a lot of, given that sentiment going into that game, a lot of clear house, fire everybody, start over, tear this all down, except for Josh Allen's sentiment coming out of it. And I think in a way that's a bit of an overreaction. I think, one, you know, Joe Brady needs a full year as offensive coordinator because the team sort of turned things around, obviously, after the Ken Dorsey fire, and that offense has been a bit more efficient at times. They've been more explosive in the run game at times. So I think he needs a full year of his vision. I think they need another voice in the defensive coaching staff. You know, obviously, Leslie Frazier went elsewhere after this season. Sean McDermott, head coach slash defensive coordinator. But his defenses have struggled against Mahomes, who has put up explosive, efficient numbers against Buffalo. I think they need another voice in the room. Now, they've got a member of the staff who's getting some defensive coordinator interviews. And I think it might be at least a position where you promote this person to defensive coordinator and get another voice in that defensive coaching room. So I think you need that. I think the numbers are tough for Buffalo. 
you're in a bad cap position right now, which means you're probably getting a Josh Allen extension in the next couple of weeks. You know, that's the first move to sort of free some stuff up. And I think they need another receiver. You know, I, Dalton Kincaid was a fantastic addition for them. But I think at this point in his career, what we've seen from Stephon Diggs this year, he needs a good running mate. He, he needs a, somebody who's kind of the one, the Batman to his Robin or the Robin to his Batman, however you view Stephon Diggs at this point in his career. Now, whether that's via late in the first round or free agency or whatever, free agency might be tough given the numbers, but I think they need another receiver there. I don't think it's a time to wildly overreact. And I think it was interesting in the comparison I made was we expected the wild overreaction from Jerry Jones, right? We expected, oh, they have this bad loss to the Packers. He's going to fire everybody. He's going to go get Bill Belichick. And he said, no, you know, I like the progress we've made. And so we're, we're going to run it back with Mike McCarthy. I think that's the approach to take here. But it, I know Bill's fans are very frustrated. And the last analogy I'll make is this. I, I remember being a Red Sox fan. After that 2003 playoffs, when they lost to the Yankees again, it's like, we're never going to beat this team. They did it the next year. And so there's light on the end of the t- opposite end of the tunnel for Bills fans. It just might be hard to see it right now. Talking to Mark Schofield as we do on Tuesdays. Uh, all right, let's get ready for the championship weekend then because I want to spend a lot of time on these two games here. Uh, the Chiefs knock off the Bills. They're going to end up playing the Ravens. And the, the Ravens defensively have shown so many different versions of themselves this year to cater to the opponent. This is a different opponent because it's Patrick Mahomes. Uh, what is it that Mahomes can do to go up against this defense that the, the, the Chiefs can't excel at? Yeah, I mean, the thing, it's going to start with, in many ways, the five up front. Because one of the things that the Ravens have done so well this year, you know, they led the league in sacks in the regular season with 60, but they blitzed just 21.9% of the time. That's a bottom six, seven number in the NFL. They do such a good job of confusing you up front. And a lot of times when you talk about like things like simulated pressures and different pressure looks and showing pressure and dropping out and, and confusing looks up front, people think you're trying to confuse the quarterback. And you might, you know, you might get the conf- quarterback confused or you might get the quarterback not confused, but assuming the pressure is coming from one side, sliding the protection that way, and then the pressure is coming from somewhere else. So you might get a moment like that. But you can also confuse the offensive lineman in the sense that, you know, if if you've got a blitz package or a pressure package or a stunt or something that the protection is as called appropriate, but that there's a mix-up on passing off a stunt or something like that, you get create pressure that way as well. So I think a lot of it, from Kansas City's perspective, has to start up front. They have to be solid in protection. They have to be solid with the protection calls because they don't bring a lot of heat. But when they do, that's when it's going to be up to Mahomes and you know, they didn't blitz C.J. Stroud a ton, but when they did, he was able to at least escape the initial pressure, but he had no options downfield. And so when you have those moments for the Chiefs, they have to be able to create outside of the structure of the play. Well, that's something that they do very well. That's something that Mahomes does very well. That's something that those receivers know to be ready for because of Mahomes and his ability to create outside of the pocket, off of structure. And so I think that the Chiefs, generally speaking, and Mahomes, generally speaking, are equipped to handle what's coming their way. You know, the question becomes, 
will they be successful at it? Like, it's one thing to be ready for it. It's one thing to have the players that right. execute it. It's another thing to go out and do it. And so I think that's the big question. I think we're going to see how healthy Travis Kelsey is because it's one thing going up against that Bills linebacker room that was really banged up. Now you get Roquan Smith and Patrick Queen, you know, one of, the, if not the best off-ball linebacker tandem in the NFL and if they can run with Kelsey, it becomes where else are you going to create if you're Patrick Mahomes? It's an interesting contrast, too, of, of here's a guy who can create a structure versus on the other side, a guy who, you know, with his legs, uh, was probably his most dominant performance. Certainly yards per attempt. Uh, he clipped nine yards per attempt, first time he's done that this season. Uh, Lamar Jackson also runs for two. And just what he can do, uh, and it, it feels like they, they've thrown away the bubble wrap now. It's like, hey, it's, it's go time for us and it's playoff time. We're unleashing this other part of the offense maybe we haven't seen with enough regularity so far this year. Yeah, and I think, you know, I wrote about this on Sunday morning. What we saw on that first drive of the second half was, in many ways, not the final chapter of the Lamar Jackson, Todd Monken development story, but uh, as close to a final chapter as you're going to get because they, they had to adjust. Demeco Ryans doesn't bring a lot of pressure, but they blitzed Lamar on 13 of 18 dropbacks in the first half. They were struggling to figure out how to respond to the blitz. So what do they do coming out on that first drive of the third quarter? First throw? Chopper, all slants, three slant routes. They get the blitz. He's out quickly, big gain of nine yards. Very next play, you get the blitz again. You go out vertical along the left side. He hits Isaiah Likely, the tight end, in the out route, 19-yard gain, another set of downs. Later in the drive, you get a blitz again from the third level. He throws a slant to replace it, gain of nine, another fresh set of downs. The ball came out in the second half a second faster than it did in the first. They had their answer for the blitz packages they saw in the first half. And Lamar Jackson executed those, those designs from the pocket. And so an extremely impressive performance. And Lamar has solved a lot of problems from the pocket this year. Todd Monken has helped him solve problems from the pocket this year. Steve Spagnuolo certainly going to throw some things at him. But Lamar can answer those questions from the pocket. And when he can't find an answer from the pocket, he's still Lamar Jackson. He can still give you that dynamic explosive play where he pulls it down and you think you've got it covered and suddenly it's first and 10 of these 30 yards upfield with the football in his hands. And so I don't know how Kansas City solves these problems given what Lamar Jackson and this Ravens offense can do. And by the way, they might get Mark Andrews back for this game as well. I was talking to Steven Ruiz yesterday, and um, we were talking about you know uh, the golf going up against the 49ers. And my big concern was throwing into Fred Werner and to Dre Greenlaw for Jared Goff because the inbreakers have been so prevalent for Detroit. Uh, if, if you're San Francisco, what are you building your defensive game plan around taking away for, for Detroit? Middle of the field. Yeah. Middle of the field. And that discussion, first of all, I'm sure it was a great discussion. I love Steven, but it's an appropriate area to focus on because, as you said, those inbreakers – you know, the drift concept where you've got the sort of curl and then the inbreaker over the top of it and you're sort of high-low on that curl hook defender, you know, the backside dig. That's where Goff lives. And if you think about the Detroit Lions last April when they go running back, linebacker, tight end, safety in the draft, and people are thinking, what are you doing? It's not 1992. It's 23 here. This is not where you build a team. They built that team through – say, the spine of the field, the middle of the field. That's where they really addressed you know, both sides of the football. 
And that theory has been proven correct so far, but now you've got, you know, the final exam. Greenlaw and Warner, two incredibly talented linebackers. And we just talked about Wilquan Smith and Patrick Queen on the Ravens. This is another incredibly talented duo. And Warner is that, you know, prototypical proverbial line, sideline to sideline linebacker. He's going to take some of those throws away. And so if you're Detroit, you've got to figure out what can we create outside the numbers? What can we create down deep for Jared Goff? Because that's probably what they're going to look to take away. You've got to have an answer when those inbreakers are not available to him. Because if he keeps forcing those, at some point you're going to get the Warner interception, the Greenlaw interception. You're going to give Brock Purdy and company a short field, and that is not what you want to do going into this game. So what's the counter that, that Detroit will have to solve if at some point it gets taken away? It's, it's manufacturing stuff downfield. It's manufacturing stuff you know, in the vertical passing game. Now okay. they can do that with some of the designs that they've used already. They can do that where they manufacture it in other ways where you, know, you think back to one of the big plays they had in that game. It was that sort of drift, that new concept where you get Brock right there third string tight end basically working away from the flow of the play like using some of those misdirection concepts where you're trying to get those linebackers using in their athleticism working against them you're trying to flow to one side and get something going away from them get something down the field where their eyes are somewhere else i mean that's what ben johnson's going to have to figure out over these next couple of days is how can he create shot plays downfield how can he create opportunities where those linebackers are out of position now to his credit, and Collinsworth pointed this out during the broadcast, Goff did a very good job with his eyes. You know, he moved Levante David at times with his eyes to throw those inbreakers. And so they may say going in, look, we trust Jared Goff to, to do these things, to hit these throws, to move those defenders with his eyes. And so maybe we don't have to do too much in terms of creating stuff downfield. We'll trust him to work his eyes and move those defenders. But if it's sketchy at the start if he struggles with it at the start if they're not biting the way they'd like him to Ben Johnson better have some plans B and C in his back pocket ready to go they'll be going up against uh, Brock Purdy and I'm saving the juiciest discourse for last year Um, look they won, and I thought he made a great throw to Jawan Jennings uh, on, on that conversion there, and the one to Kittle in the touchdown was really good, but I didn't come out of that feeling any more confident if I was a 49ers fan. Uh, what's the takeaway uh, getting ready for this game for Brock Purdy? I mean, first, if you're a San Francisco 49ers fan, the book, this website you have bookmarked right now is weather.com. You, know, <laughs> you just want to make sure it's going to be a dry day on Sunday because we've seen now two games where – Brock Purdy hasn't looked comfortable in rainy, wet conditions. There was a Cleveland game earlier this year where he struggled, and there was this game on Saturday night. And you you see the images of him mid-drop back trying to dry off his hands. And if I'm Brock Purdy, even if it's dry on you know Sunday, and certainly if they do advance to a Super Bowl, it's in a weather-controlled stadium, that's going to be okay. But you're spending some time this offseason with a, with a bag of footballs and a bucket of water, and you're throwing in wet conditions because this is something that you're going to have to figure out going forward. Now, having said that, look, it's fair to say that the throw to Kittle was great. The throw to Jennings was great. And he was great at the end of the game, you know, six or seven on the final drive, and he made the throws that he needed to make for them to win. But you've got some concerns to answer going forward in terms of what is this offense going to look like if you don't have Debo? 
you know, the EPA on off with Debo is striking both in the run game and the passing game. This is a different offense without Debo Samuel. And you're going up against a defense which might be able to give you more problems than, say, the Green Bay Packers did on Saturday night. Aiden Hutchinson can certainly disrupt some things in the pocket. This is a defense that is built through the middle of the field, which is where the 49ers want to win. You think about the big wins that San Francisco had against Philadelphia and Dallas. Those teams, particularly the Eagles, struggled in that area of the field down the stretch. Detroit's going to be a little bit better in that area. So he might have to make some throws to the outside and you know down the field and outside of the numbers. And so look, the Brock Purdy t- discourse is not going away. It certainly wasn't going to go away after what we saw you know, on Saturday night. I think it's very fair to say that he struggled, but they won. They found a way to win. They, quote, won their clunker, as we sometimes like to say. But Detroit's a different test. I just feel like I'm watching a higher wire act every week, and it's it's it, it the uh, the artist has to take 21 steps to 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 get to and, and win the Super Bowl, and we're at step 18, and it's just you know it's, it's getting a little windy at the top of that wire right now. It is getting a little windy, and you know Detroit, as I, like I said, Detroit can very well go into San Francisco and win this game, but even if they get past Detroit. What's waiting for them in Las Vegas is, you know, the final boss. And it's either a team in the Ravens that we all saw what the Ravens did to them. But if, if somehow it's the Chiefs that advance and they take on Kansas, uh, they take on San Francisco. Look, Steve Spagnuolo has, he's done some things to make some quarterbacks struggle. Um, we saw, obviously, it was a cold night in San Francisco with the Dolphins, but they had Tua in that offense sort of struggling. And they can certainly put together a game plan that would make life tough for Brock Purdy as well. Uh, this was excellent. Uh, this was excellent as always, man. We appreciate it. Always, my friend. Always love coming on. Enjoy the games this weekend. That's Mark Schofield. Joins us every Tuesday. On the other side, we will talk to Yannick Hansen here on the People's Show. <laughs>